Hey, welcome back to Relentless Positivity Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Martin. Got an interesting guest for me today. It's my friend, Aaron Hines, and he's outside of Nashville over there in Franklin, soon to be Brentwood, and he's the owner of Premier Performance Training. Uh, he's an award-winning personal trainer. He's a respected business owner. He's an author. He's a speaker. Most importantly, he's a husband, a dad, and a proud beard owner. Hey, Aaron, thanks for coming on, man. What's up, Joe? I was hoping I'd have a good dad joke, but I, I, I flaked on that one today. Oh, man. You can only do so much, right? You can only do so much. But uh, I introduced you to A.A. Ron, but maybe I should call you Jedediah. Uh, you know, that's uh, interesting. Uh, I'll say you, you call me that. Uh, my nickname in college was Jebediah. Jebediah. I, had a, uh, I had a full beard, no mustache, and uh, I was bald. Um, oh, so, no, no stash beard is strong, no, man. No, sta no stash, and uh, these, these guys from West Tennessee thought I was Amish. Uh, <laughs> They asked you to make like, furniture yeah. and stuff on the weekends. Yeah, they had this like quick argument in the. Uh, I was. I remember the. Uh, uh, we were in there getting our physicals, and I was. I was sitting. I didn't know anybody. I was. I was a freshman, and they were like, "Hey, man, uh, you're not Amish, are you?" I said, <laughs> "What?" I said, "What are you talking about?" He said, "The other guy goes, no, nah, man, it's Amish.'" He said, "We're gonna call you Jebediah. I don't know what your real name is, but you're Jebediah, and I swear to this day, since 2004." My best friends call me Jebediah, and I've never heard Aaron since. So that's great. That's crazy. <laughs> crazy for that. So <laughs> oh, that's nice, man. I I can't picture the the beard with no stash. How long have you been rocking a beard? Uh, I would say probably. Um, I've been married for twelve years. So probably about ten of those years. Okay. Yeah, uh, I don't think my kids are six and four, and they've never seen me without a beard. So uh, there you go. Hey, if you're uh, uh, if you're watching the video, man, we both got the beard shirts on. We're rocking the beard shirts. It's on your book. It's on your hat. I mean, the beard is part. It's here to stay. Yeah, it's part of it. And it's one of those things that um, I, I find that it's me, even with uh, I don't have glasses on or don't have a beard. It's kind of a staple. Um, yeah. A lot of people in the community or even kids at school wearing the shirts are like, man, I know that guy. So <laughs> I think I think I did a good job with branding and uh, it's, it's recognizable uh, and, and it's good, even though uh, I think my wife gets tired of seeing the bearded shirts, but that's OK. <laughs> Hey man, that's a, that's a small burden to bear. That's all right. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, you have a, a ton of experience training, you know, all walks of life, but you, you really passionate about working with athletes. What do you like so much about working with athletes? I think the biggest thing for me, I mean, I was a small college athlete, um, kind of my backstory. I, I, I didn't really start working out until my junior year of high school. Uh, as actually, uh, after, or kind of that summer beforehand. And, um, that's kind of how I got started with uh, health and fitness or working out per se. So I kind of got hooked on with, you know, working out and getting stronger. And um, even though I worked on the strength side of it, I really didn't work on my speed and athleticism. Uh, I was an offensive lineman uh, and kind of was just slow. It's like my feet were always stuck in the sand. I didn't really have good movement. And I would say just based on those things and uh, getting hooked on working out and uh, being somewhat good at football, um, I ended up getting a small collegiate scholarship at a school called Lambeth University. Um, I, I weighed about two, probably 225 playing offensive line. And, um, you know, I, I did two years there and I kind of thought to myself, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not, I'm not going to be a pro athlete. Uh, so what can I do um, to maybe make a bigger impact, um, you know, maybe down the road? So I left uh, unexpectedly just you know, from a couple injuries I had and um, finished school. And, you know, fast forward to probably six or seven years ago, um, maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, I just got a, a big itch for working with these athletes because uh, I saw a need of just poor 
um, I don't say coaching. Um, and not that I'm the best coach. I just feel like I can connect, connect with kids. I've been there, done that. So I try to teach them more than just how to get faster, how to get stronger. It's more about life. Um, I've, I've lived a lot of places. I've done a lot of things and I just try to take those things and that passion for working with athletes and share those stories with them. Um, you know, whether they're seven years old or semi-pro athletes. So, um, I think it's more about the connection with those kids sharing my story, um, from what I went through and what I've evolved to from an athlete to being fired from a job to a business owner, um, and just finding that connection and basically just finding, I think the, the most out of kids. Um, I mean, you've, you've got a, you've got a student athlete yourself. And I think from what I've experienced, uh, there's a lot of, um, I don't know if it's parental or if it's coach or peers, there's a lot of just, um, uh, non-confident athletes that I've, I work with. Um, they don't think they're good enough. They don't think they're fast enough. They don't think they can be the starter for their team. Um, and I, I kind of flipped the script on that a little bit. Um, just last night, I had a, a swimmer. He just qualified for Southeasterns, which is one of the top kind of swim, um, I guess, meets kind of for school. And probably about a year and a half ago, he'd come in and go, I'd go, Jonathan, how, how was your swim meet this week, man? That was okay. And I was like, what what does that even mean? Like, okay, did like, did you win? Did you do better? And the confidence level was just like, it was like this, man. It was yeah. so minimal. Like, it's all he wanted to say because he doesn't, he didn't think it was good enough. And just this past weekend, he uh, he swam, and I came in yesterday, and I said, dude, I heard you crushed it. He said, it got the smile on his face, and he was like, yeah, coach, I've swam my best. Um, I guess meet or slash shaved off time. And so since he's been working with me, he shaved off what he told me. And I, I didn't think this was real about 45 seconds off his best time. Good, just, just instilling. And I say 45 seconds, maybe it's a point four five. Maybe I misunderstood that, but I think it's connection, caring about the kid, caring about them getting better and just trying to instill that confidence and connection. Um, and just, you know, knowing and telling them that they can be better than they actually are. Yeah. I think that's I mean, where I so kind of get that especially from. Especially for high school athletes to get that mentor, you know, beyond the skills and all the things you can teach them. Just, you know, like you said, there's there's things they just can't or won't talk to their parents about, and they can kind of lean on you for that. So that's so important role you're playing there. So you kind of, you've kind of gotten into it a little bit. Let's talk about, you know, this is a big reason I want to have you on because you see some of these kids making big mistakes when they're talking about their athletic training. What's some of those that you see over and over? Um, I think one of the biggest with, um, you know, there's a lot of things on social media. There's a lot of, um, I call them social media coaches or just taking bad advice or seeing things and, and trying to be a follower, a follower of, um, oh, the man, this looks cool. Let's do this. Or, hey, the, I saw this guy do this. Maybe we should try that. So I think there's a lot of, um, I guess, just bad information or uh, coaching and even things out there that people or kids get attached to that they don't see any consistency with. Um, I've had some um, leave my program before and I always welcome them back with open arms, but it's like they, they chase the, the golden nugget down the street. This guy's got this, uh, this thing and he's going to make me faster and stronger. And I was like, yeah, go for it. But just know that if you're not getting faster and stronger, just remember what we talked about, not in an arrogant way, but just know that, 
just because it looks cool doesn't mean it's going to be helpful down the road. So I think that's that's one. And um, I've seen it happen just this last summer from uh, local gyms in town trying to coerce uh, athletes that I worked with to go work with them because they had a bigger and better facility. Um, that's fine. I'm all for that as far as like if you want to go, go. Um, but just know that if you leave, there's going to be some private repercussions on, you know, I'm going to have to maybe invite you again to say, hey, this is where we stand. This is what we agreed upon before. You know, just because you're jumping back and forth doesn't mean you're going to have the same results or you're going to be better um, right. in those things. So I think that's the biggest thing I see. I mean, I'm in a, a really big kind of affluent area of parents are going to pay whatever they want to get the best. Um, so I think that's one. And the two, with them paying for the best, sometimes they don't know who's good and who's bad. Um, and I always like to say that a good friend of mine, uh, Drew Massey, he's from down in Columbia. We used to work together a little bit. Um, and we, we always think about some of those things that are going to get exposed. It's just a matter of when, right. and it's not to be, you know, arrogant or snide or rude. It's just at the end of the day, you, you know, good is good. And the good, good guys win. And those who are, you know, try to do the latest and greatest, uh, things or tactics usually kind of fall off it may not be tomorrow but it may be six months down the road so that's one thing i learned from him is keep striving to be great and don't worry about you know all the all the other things out there that were right. going to be yeah. distractions uh from those so i think number two uh from that parent like i said parents don't really know what's good and what's bad and i try to educate more than guarantee um one of the biggest things i will I told a kid last night who came in, I said, I can give you the tools. You have to take the tools in your toolbox and actually use those things to be successful. If, if I give you everything you need and you don't use anything, then what good, what good is it? I, I can't guarantee you the scholarship, but if you take the tools that I provide, you implement those things, who knows? You might, you might go division one. Um, you may not, but you're going to be a little bit better off than the next kid who, just came in, went through the motions, and uh, didn't do anything. Yeah, give yourself a chance, man. Yeah. Maximize it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing with that. So, I can give you those things, and you, you have to um, implement and be successful. Uh, I think the third thing um, is, I don't say they try to keep up with their friends. If their friends doing it, they want to do it. And what I mean by that is, not that they all want to come in and work out, which I, I do like that because it. It provides a little bit of uh, camaraderie, but also a little competition with friends. But what I mean is like to try to keep up with their friends is they want to do the exact same thing or the exact same weight or, um, you know, it's so competitive that their friends, are, they want to run the same speed or whatnot. And every kid's different. Mm -hmm. So I, I try to say, it, you know, take a step back, reevaluate why you're here. You're here to get better. You're not here to be just like John over here, who's been with me since fifth grade you're an eighth grader now you're it's day one like he's been in my program for a while so there's a lot of things that he knows that you don't know yet so do what you're capable of and if you can do those things then you can be successful but if you try to keep up with uh your buddy over here then um you know you could get hurt it's not the goal but there's this you know he's he's adapted a little bit more uh, he knows how i uh run things or the the modalities we use to be successful in our program so I think that's kind of number three is like they try to keep up with their friends, lift the same weight. Um, and, and usually it gets to where they try to do that. And it's like, 
you know, bench press at 25 and they're like, ah, oh, coach, I got this. And it's like, ah, uh, I need some help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's kind of funny to see, but it's also one of those, it's like, you got to reiterate the fact of like, all right, you are a different human being, you, you know, genetically you're different. So let's just, let's take a step back. Um, I think, I think number four with that, uh, Joe is, um, they're almost too competitive. I like competition, but it's like almost too competitive where they look, they lack form, they lack technique. And, um, I always say I have a small little turf space and it's like, if you're running so fast and out of control, that bad guys hit each other unintentionally or punch because they're running side to side and they're just lackluster or they trip and fall and it, there's nothing but concrete under my turf. So it's scraped knees or, you know, turf burn on the forehead. Oh, yeah. So I got two um, holes in my wall over there. That kid caught himself in the wall. Oh yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> he's spraying I mean, out of control like... <laughs> and fell into the wall. So I get it, man. I get it. Yes. So it's like, it's, I love the competition, but sometimes you're being, you're trying to uh, overcompete or being too competitive in a way. And I know that may not sound you know, how can you be too competitive, but there's a way of oh, you can get doing caught too up, man. much. I, I see it yeah. all the time in, in weight rooms, you know, in, in certain places where they're lifting weights together, especially if it's kind of, they're doing the same thing and racing against the clock and things like that. And it can get out yeah. of control for sure. Yeah. So I think that's, uh, that's kind of the, um, number four, that too competitive. And then, uh, number five I have is, uh, they focus more on trying to lift. They try to lift more instead of lifting properly. Right. More. I always say more is not good. If we're lifting more and our mechanics are off, then we're just going to be at a mechanical disadvantage because things are going to start to hurt. We're going to move bad. We're going to feel bad. And at the end of the day, um, that's not our goal is to lift as much as we can. Our goal is to lift what our bodies are capable of and to progress to heavier resistance and be successful and be a better athlete. So I think those are some of the ones I see because, uh, you know, I work with middle school, high school and college and semi-pro. I mean, the high school guys are a little bit um, probably less on some of those. They're a little bit uh, like almost too competitive on uh, the bench press or I got uh, chains. We'll do chain curls and they want to do. 125 and the other guy did 120 you know it's just a lot of different things so you kind of have to think the younger guys um are kind of like way out here with all those and the and the older guys kind of a little bit more narrow focused on some of those things so that's that's what i see on a, a daily weekly yeah. yearly basis <laughs> but the thing is you think about it man you see probably see this too when those dudes are 40 they come back and they want to put 225 on the bench and it's i used to do when i was 20 this is what i did so it's kind of that same thing even when they're older yeah. like Hey, this is what I used to do, and they get competitive. See someone else. I mean, it's hard for dudes. It's, that's why I don't train dudes, man. That's why I work with women. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I so I do have. I have a guy who's a former NFL running back, and uh, he um, he came to me actually to that point of like, I want to get in shape. And I, I'd known him. I met him. He had a couple injuries. He he was shooting hoops with his kids in the in the driveway and uh, ruptured his Achilles. Oh. I mean, just like little pickup game with his buddies or his kids and his buddies. And so, I mean, we lift, but you know, it's one of those things is like, you've got, there's a limit, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to be aches and pains everywhere. Uh, it's they used to cure. I used to lift 365, but um, like I told you, I had a reconstructive elbow surgery because of that. And so I don't lift any more than 225. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my limit. So I know, yeah. I know what I need to do, uh, but not get too crazy. Yeah, you're just looking for that response, man. You don't care about those numbers, but um, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So let me ask you: is a common question people people ask me is like, what what age should should kids start training? I I like uh, there's I think there's a lot of misconception on uh, how how young. Um, I I don't work, and this is just my own personal preference. I don't work with any kid uh, younger than uh, I would call it five, fifth grade. I think that's like ten or eleven. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not that they can't lift weights. It's just more or less um, younger is more of an attention span um, deal for me. Yeah, I've been doing this a long time. So sometimes it's uh, you could probably almost do 30 minute sessions instead of an hour. Um, I start with 11 years old, uh, 10 or 11, uh, just because I think they're one, a little bit more attentive. They're kind of getting curious on uh, working out. You know, they've they've probably played one or two sports uh, They're They know based on the other kids, either they're too too uh, too short, too tall, too slow, or they need to be a little bit quicker. Um, so I find I work with the youngest at that age and we do lift weights. It's just a matter of we contain that into a certain amount. And it's not that lifting weights is uh, too heavy is bad. I mean, everybody's growing at different rates. So I want to make sure that, um, you know, we're lifting, like I said, properly, effectively, we're not getting hurt because a lot of overuse injuries. um, One that I see common is called Oshka slaughters. And it's a lot of like repetitive uh, knee pain. And it's just a lot of jumping, a lot of running. And it's just from the growth spurts kids have, it's, it's excruciating. So if, we can still get stronger by lifting, you know, 20 pound dumbbells for 15 to 20 reps instead of going to the thirties at, at that age. And I think we're winning long-term uh, with that. Cause I, I think what I, I see most is, okay, what are we actually going to be doing in this program? Are we lifting heavy weights or are we just lifting fives or 10 pound dumbbells? And my first response is we're going to lift. Cause if we're lifting, we're going to get better. If we're creating uh, strength, we're going to be more explosive as an athlete. We're going to get faster and more explosive and stronger. We're just not going to be maxing out. And we're not we're not going to be setting PRs uh, at 11, 12 and 13, although it's very hard to stop them because it's it's like it's like this is so easy, coach. I can I can do more than this. I'm like, that's great. I said, but here's the thing. We're not doing that today and we're not going to do that tomorrow. (laughs) So if we can maximize your. 50 pounds for, you know, three sets of 10. I said, that's much better than trying to do more weight for like four reps at this point. So that that's the response I give is that we're going to lift. We're going to, we're going to be better. We're going to start at 10, 11 years old. We're going to do body weight. We're going to throw med balls. We're going to run. We're going to jump. We're going to sprint, uh, but we're going to do so in a safe and effective matter. And if we can do that, we're going to be a better athlete long-term. So with that kind of to expand on that, that from 11 years old, my goal for them is to stay in my program until they turn, I think it's 13, 14. I'm bad with numbers like middle school, eighth grade. If you can be successful in my program from fifth grade to eighth grade, my high school program is going to be a, a breeze as in like, you're going to, you're going to transition into that and be super successful. Oh yeah, man. So if you get three years of that base, base conditioning, and all that stuff, I man, you can really skyrocket when you can get after it as you get older. So yeah, um, you're going to switch it up. You talk about a lot of the stuff we've kind of covered in this book right here. So uh, this book right here, short, powerful, impactful read. I mean, it, it's, I could have used a few more pictures. I'm not going to lie, man, I need a few more pictures in here. For yeah. me, but <laughs> uh, It is good. Like I said, a good short read. Um, but there's a lot of good information in here. We've covered some of it. What I want to talk about this um, kind of your personal experience with injuries and kind of help you with, and you do a, a lot working with athletes, injured athletes. Tell us a little bit more about first your personal experience and kind of how, how you help athletes from that. Yeah. So I think um, with that, Joe, it started kind of like, uh, I think it was in my freshman year of college. I was, um, I was literally in practice one day and I went for uh, just a pass, pass set. I was stepped back um, stepping back and my knee just gave away and I had excruciating pain and it was my right knee. 
and I had no idea what happened. I thought something had torn or uh, dislocated. It was the first thing that ever really happened. Um, I never really had injuries in high school. Um, and from that that moment on, it was more like a cur- out of curiosity of like, how can I get better? Our, our school didn't have the, really the funds for, uh, I would call physical therapy or whatnot. So I had to actually leave campus, come back to Nashville, uh, get checked out and go you know, around the block, I actually saw the knee surgeon that did my dad's uh, uh, knee scopes back in the day. Um, and f- from that injury, it kind of taught me um, a lot of different things from my knee injury in college. And um, one I had kind of a couple of years ago is what I talk about in the book is getting injured was probably one of the most difficult times of, I don't say my freshman year, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I was hurt. I was kind of lost. I didn't really have the support I needed to get better. I, we had an athletic trainer. I mean, I lived on the fourth floor of the dormitory. Um, I had to walk up the stairs. We had no elevator uh, for that. I had no crutches. There's a lot of things that I just kind of had to overcome. So I, I I got checked out. There was nothing structurally wrong. It was a lot of just, um, they call it uh, strength differentials for my quad to hamstring ratio that caused a lot of pushing and pulling on my kneecap that caused that pain. And it, it took me about a year to recover, but I, I worked out on my own. I lifted weights. I did pool work. I went to the big pool on campus and it took me about a year to rehab myself uh, from that injury. And from, from then I had, a, a I think, I guess just a little bit more of a, I don't know, curiosity of, oh, I did it myself. Hmm. Maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't do athletic training. Maybe I should, focus more on the exercise side of things and you know do something different so I actually left left school after my sophomore year after I rehabbed myself and got back better I was about 100 percent coming through Um, I left I graduated University of Tennessee at Martin with an exercise science degree and I jumped out of there dude like I'm going to conquer the world I know everything Mm -hmm. and I got a slice of humble pie after I uh, got out of grad school I went to Florida State and got my master's in exercise physiology and did a lot of things. I did medical field and a lot of other like things I thought I was interested in. Um, but I landed a job at an orthopedic clinic in town here. And I was like super gung-ho. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to train all these awesome people, these high-end famous people. I'm going to make a ton of money. Um, it didn't really happen. There was a lot of famous people who came in there. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't have that opportunity. But I did learn a lot and got humbled quickly on learning how to work with athletes who have been injured. Uh, one of the first athletes I worked with got tackled from behind in uh, a game. He crushed his ankle, had plates and screws in there. And I was just kind of introduced. Our job was to go around talking to patients and saying, hey, yo, my name's Aaron. I train here. Um, how you doing? How's therapy going? How, how can I maybe help you once therapy's over? Because um, we're always looking for what's next when we're done with physical therapy. And a lot of people just don't do anything. And and sometimes they, what I call repeat offenders, they get back into therapy because they did nothing. Uh, once they got better, they did nothing after that. So they hurt themselves again. Um, so by meeting these people and uh, the parents of the athletes, I had the privilege of working with uh, a gentleman named Emmanuel Hall. And that, that was kind of my big thing on injury prevention. I didn't know a lot. And I learned a lot from the physical therapists and the physicians on staff there who taught me how to uh, treat an injured athlete, post-therapy, how to work with them, the do's and uh, do's and don'ts of what we can do, can't do. And so we worked on a kind of prescription plan with those therapists to 
get that athlete better. So whether it was for him to be more successful on the field with that. So um, that was one thing that I think kind of took off of what I do now. Um, I got him back to, I would say 110% by the likes of probably good graces and just genetic ability. Uh, he went on to lead the SEC in yards per catch at Missouri and had a couple stints in the NFL, bounced around from teams. But from then on, it was just, you know, I guess the results from that, I had a lot of other kids and other kids, friends of friends and things like that. So it wasn't just ankle injuries. It was uh, ACL, MCL, uh, meniscus, shoulder repair, uh, elbow. I've got reconstructive elbow surgery. There's a couple dots in my arm from uh, being, you know, too overconfident on bench price. But the things I endured from uh, knee injury, uh, elbow injury, it taught me a lot on what you can do and what people will say nothing you you can't. And I take that as like, nah, you're not going to tell me I can't do something. Uh, I took a week off after my elbow surgery and was in a sling training clients uh, a week later and I couldn't move my arm. My arm was still kind of like I had like four or five weeks left of therapy and couldn't do anything. So I was loading plates on and off. Um, but I think from the injuries I had, it taught me a lot of different things that I talk about in the book, perseverance, overcoming obstacles. Um, I think just being being successful and like not taking no for an answer. And I think that helped me to kind of be where I am today from training the injured athletes, uh, whether it's, you know, a kid who doesn't even have a snowball's chance uh, to go to college. It's just the things I learned through that helped me, I guess, apply those things to those kids, too, because I've been there, done that. And it's hard, I think it's hard to take advice from somebody who has never been there. Uh, I don't know if you've if somebody's told you something you're like nah like, I don't believe that dude you've never done that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like I mean it's, it's like, between uh, guys done it in theory and someone who's actually done it in practice. I mean there's a huge huge gap right there. So uh, let me yeah. ask you is it is it is it more of a mental thing for a lot of these guys in the recovery? I mean obviously most people have a similar physical therapy approach to things. Uh, what do you do for them mentally to help them get through that? I, I like to go, um, and it's more of, I think, just things that help me. It's like, what what do you want to accomplish? Like, if um, I have a kid who um, is about to have ACL uh, surgery tomorrow, and he, he's got the mentality of, and he says he got it for me. Uh, I don't know if I believe him, but I'll, I'll say yes. But he has a mentality, and I try to teach these kids, if you can be anything you want to be, you just got to write it down and um, accomplish it. It's a lot of things. Well, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I can come back from this injury coach. And I'm like, how do you even know? Like, it's the first time anything's ever happened. And you're going to let somebody tell you you can't come back from an injury. Um, is it, you know, the doctor said that, you know, you're not going to be able to have full range of motion and, you know, this joint or that. I mean, uh, anything's possible in my mind. So you've got to take it as, a, you know, kind of a grain of salt. But I, I, I would say I almost coach them up. It's like, you can do anything you want to want to do. You just have to know that you're not going to let anybody stand in your way, whether that's doing a little bit extra, you're going to, um, and I talk about this in my book. I, I went through and I, I just kind of the mental state of, you're not going to tell me I can't, or I want you, I want you to hang out with me. You're like friends, but like, dude, you got to hang out with me. You can't do this. You got to go do that. I'm like, yo, I have a one track mind where I'm going to go to college and be a successful athlete. You're not going to tell me when I can and can't hang out with you. You're on my time. So I, I try to, and that, that sounds kind of like selfish, but 
I think for them, it's like you have to let all the outside noise kind of just be pushed away and know that you can you can you can come back from this. You can be greater than you were before. You just have to like right here. You've got to change your mindset just a little bit. And that's whether that's, you know, I don't know, journaling or sometimes I just say write it down in your Apple note, man. Everybody's got Apple notes. What do you want to accomplish after this? You want to be great? You want to be average? I said, there's a lot of a lot of average kids I trained that won't, don't want to be great because they don't have the mindset to overcome things, little things, yeah. small injuries or getting a bad grade or not getting the offer they want. I mean, it's it's little petty things you think you're like, dude, that's that's minimal compared to what's in the real world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you're in high school, dude, your your field of vision <laughs> yeah, is this like, big. You have no yeah, idea. <laughs> I said, yeah, that, that, uh, and this, this take this the wrong way, but I said, that girlfriend you have, she's distracting you. And I said, it, it could be in good and bad ways, but you have to know that there is more things going to happen down the road that you need to be uh, prepared for. And if you can't overcome this setback, then it's just going to be hard for you to handle life. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you put a whole chapter in your book on perseverance, and that's so important for kids to realize that just a, that's a skill, man, that just overcoming things. And this is not the end. And just realizing that, because, you know, when your first girlfriend breaks up with you, it's like the end of the world. Like, oh, my gosh, oh. I'm going to die all alone. You're like 15. So yeah. Come on, come <laughs> on, man. You'll be all right. I, said, yeah, I, said, I think there was a kid the other day. He's like, I broke up with my girlfriend. I was like, oh, man, it's going to be all right. And he's like, got this like sad look in his face. I'm like, oh, like we're going to work out and this is going to be better. Like you're, it's time to move on. You can just see like the look in his face, like his heart's broken. I'm like, okay, well you can be sad about it, but we're going to still going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it's just so important to know that. And if you look back in high school, it's like how many people you really hang out with. I mean, some people marry their high school sweetheart. Don't get me wrong, but most people, you got a whole lot of life to live. So let's, let's move on. Like you said, and then injuries, yeah. it seems like, Oh my gosh, my career is over, but I mean, there's, and like you said, the power of writing things down is so, so important. So that's, that's great advice. And when it doesn't come from their parents, it's written in gold. So if it comes from you, yeah. oh, coach told me that, solid. Oh, it's, if it's if like I, the as a parent, tell my kid that, garbage. <laughs> Even though I tell people that stuff for a living. But if you told them, 100% true. Yeah, it's like the magic pill. It's like the, uh, like, uh, I, I think I had, uh, at one time I was kind of going through everything with a the parent was like sitting in front of me and the kids over to the side and you could just see the parent going, I told you, I told you that. And it's I've like, been trying to tell you, See, <laughs> I said, look, all right, we're going to look face to face here. I'm going to tell you and you're going to be successful. And the parents going like this, like, <laughs> see, I need, <laughs> I need somebody else to tell them. Yeah. That's uh, why it's so important. It's hilarious. Outside mentors outside, man. It just means so much, especially coaches are so important in kids' lives. So speaking of important yeah. to kids, let's, let's talk about the most impactful part of the book. Uh, tell us about Eli Grow and his connection to you in the book. Yeah. So, uh, kind of, uh, I'll give you the backstory. So before I kind of went on my own, I was uh, working back in the orthopedic clinic and there was a guy, um, kid named Eli, Eli grow. Eli was probably the most determined, uh, hardest worker. I, I would say I probably ever, I've ever worked with. I've been doing this for about 12 years. Um, he had sustained an injury and I, I'm not sure hundred percent what it was. He was working actually with a, another trainer before I got a hold of him before the guy, the other trainer left, but he, he drove, uh, this, was, this was his determination. He had, he was the starting quarterback for Tullahoma High School, which is, um, I think it's about an hour, hour and 15 from uh, Huntsville area. Um, and he drove from uh, Tullahoma to Franklin or Brentwood area 
Um, it was once or twice a week. I had met him kind of via his, his mom was doing some therapy because one of the doctors there was her favorite for a certain type of surgery. And he had a few things done. And so he comes in and is finished with therapy and he's ready to rock and roll. So I get this kid. He's probably a junior, junior in high school. Um, he's ready to work. He's always got the most like, yo, coach, what we got today? What we got today? He's always eager to learn, always like had a smile on his face. He was, he always showed up early, always stayed late. Um, and we worked, we probably trained, it was about an hour. I always stayed late. I'm a nice guy. I don't like to rush kids off. <laughs> so we stay probably hour, hour and a half from uh, speed work, sled work, working on his footwork. He was quarterback. He wanted to do certain things. You know, he watched all these videos. Uh, he took what we did in the gym. He would go out on the field and I, I've got, I've got video of it. He would, his dad and mom would send me videos of him at nine, 10 o'clock at night, dark as can be or one or two lights on in the field. And he's, he's throwing footballs in the backyard, throwing footballs. He's doing footwork. He's got his ladder out there. He's doing everything uh, coming through. And so he was a kid that's uh, special to me because uh, it was, it was a Saturday and it's about, it's coming up on about six years, Joe. He, um, he was leaving workouts and, and uh, the guilt, the guilt ran through me after this entire thing because of we stayed late. I should have let him go early, but he was killed tragically in a car accident on his way home from, from workouts. And whether that was falling asleep with Will or checking his phone, I don't know. Nobody really knows. Um, just for the point was he was a kid who uh, had an offer to Mississippi College Juco to, you know, live out his dream of being the starting quarterback and was uh, killed tragically about two miles from his house. Um, and, and with that being said, it, it kind of hit me. And that's another reason why we're one reason I was almost tempted to just be done training athletes. It, it, I didn't have kids at the time, but I woke up on a Sunday morning and I got the phone call and it was like, it was a gut punch, man. It was one of those, it was, it was a lot of guilt, a lot of frustration because I thought it was my fault. Although it wasn't, you know, it's, um, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of emotions ran through my head and I was just kind of like, what did I do wrong? What did I, why, why did this happen to me? Um, and, you know, it was tough. I went to the memorial. I drove down there and I mean, I just, I felt, I fell apart, man. I was the last person to see him, talk to him, uh, be with him. His parents were out of town. So like, I mean, I'm, I'm literally kind of his fill in when I go, when I go down there to visit his parents, like I've, I'm in touch with them on a probably bi-weekly monthly and, you know, yearly basis. I send pictures of my, my kids to make them feel like I'm still a part of their family because it's, it's, it's somebody they, feel super connected with because I was the last person to speak to him. I'm, I'm still, I'm still here. I'm not far away. So um, kind of with all that being said, they, there was a lot, I guess a lot that happened in his vision before he even passed away to kind of step up a little bit. He had a vision of creating an indoor training facility for his local community. Um, and this is before he went to college to, and he had it designed. It's crazy. He had everything designed, everything in a notebook, what he wanted, what he wanted to look like, before any of this, you know, even even took place, that he wanted to build an indoor training facility for his local high school because he wanted to provide an opportunity for underprivileged kids to be able to have the same opportunity he had. He drove an hour and a half. His parents paid, you know, topped off to train with me. He, you know, he had everything he could have ever imagined for a kid wanting to go to college. And he had all these blueprints, all this stuff drawn up. So after his passing, his parents were like, how can we honor him in any certain way possible? So 
they started the Eli Grove Foundation, which uh, you'll kind of get a little bit of blurb in the back of the book um, for that. And so that foundation itself is set up. And this reason I wrote the book, because all proceeds from my book go to the Eli Grove Foundation. I don't take anything from it. I get a check and just send it in uh, for that. And it's it's open and available, um, you know, year round to provide the opportunity for kids who cannot afford training, speed training, or even paying, you know, the local recruiting companies to get them recruited. So it, it offers them an opportunity and a scholarship to be able to do the same thing and the same opportunity that Eli had uh, with that. And one of the first kind of recipients uh, from that uh, was a very good friend of his. And so um, he trained me. He's, he ended up going to college as a walk-on and had an opportunity. He's kind of bounced around, but the thing is of having something like that in a community, even though it's an hour and a half from where I am is huge because there's a lot of people out there, a lot of kids who really want to go to college, but don't know what to do, how to do it and how to get there. So this provides them um, with that opportunity, but also provides the community of Tullahoma with um, hopefully in the next year, a indoor training facility on campus for their uh, sports team uh, program. So they're just coming off a state championship last year with that. And if for some reason it doesn't happen on campus, it will either happen in the city of Tullahoma or, and who knows, it may happen in Franklin. But at the end of the day, it's uh, it's an honor of him giving kids opportunities that he had. And so that way they can accomplish, you know, their life dream of playing uh, college football. Uh, with that so that's awesome yeah and i I love love his catchphrase he was known for never take anything for granted man yeah that kid's wise beyond his years for sure and it's awesome man i I actually have um i call these little uh i got them on my wrist i have a a ton of wristbands uh it's almost like a conversation starter they have uh never take anything for granted his mom gave me a ton it's got a signature on them so what I, i have them in the gym and it's it's more or less of like coach can i have these and i'm like yeah, you can have them, but read it. Yeah. I mean, he's got never take anything for granted. He's got uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 is a verse on there. And, and it's just more or less of like kids need to know like what I why I do what I do. It's not for me. It's for them. But it's also kind of an honor of him. Um, there, You know, that time and place where I was like, I'm I'm done. I'm done training kids. It's just like too much. But I think I, I've had a bigger impact by sticking it out and kind of sharing his story each and every year. Um, I, I do it every year. I reshare the blog I wrote the year he passed and, um, I feel like he gets more and more views. So it's, you know, not about being the guy who raises all the money, but it's just being, uh, raising that awareness that I do this for more than just, you know, being local famous or the money or whatever it is, there's, there's a backstory to it. Yeah. And, and I hope, you know, my hope with that is, you know, I raised over a thousand dollars this year and donated to their charity is that kids will take something from that, from my book, and kind of apply that just like he did. So, you know, it's one of those things that you can you can take things and not apply it. He took everything and applied all of it. Yeah. I mean, he's just one of those, like, rare rare kids who you tell him to do something. He's like, all right, how many reps? What do, You know, call, text you. What do I need to do more? And I'm like, bro, you've already worked out, like, three hours bad. today. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah like – you need to rest and get ready for school, but yeah. yeah so that, coach's that's, dream right there, man. That's, that's what you look for as a coach. Yeah. So that's kind of my, my, my vision and my purpose behind, behind the book. 
uh, with that. It wasn't, it was the goal is to write a book, but you know, I don't, for me financially, uh, it's just more, it's for a better cause. It's for the better good. If, if they can take that and live out his life dream of providing those things and uh, the community and the area is a better place. Uh, that's awesome, man. And his memory lives on through that. So that's very cool. So that's going to keep yes. him going for sure. Yes. Um, 100%. Just an amazing kid. So uh, how can people keep up with you and get the book? Yeah, man, they can uh, head over to my uh, website, uh, premierperformancetrainer.com. I've got a link there. Uh, if you don't want to buy a book, you can always uh, donate. I have the link. You can donate to the Eli Grow Foundation. Um, with that, uh, you can find me on Facebook, Premier Performance TN. I know that's a little confusing, or Premier Performance uh, Training on Instagram, Twitter. I mean, all those little handles are a little off, a uh, little bit on those. So um, usually all the pictures on my social media have the book. Uh, the beard. If you don't see the beard, it's not me. Uh, you know, I'm I'm in Franklin, so uh, right now I'm moving to Brentwood. Uh, but that's that's the best place to find it. You can go to Amazon too. Amazon, uh, just search the Athletic Advantage uh, on there. The book and the book cover. Um, I think it's twelve ninety nine. And all, like I said, all proceeds go to the Eli Grove Foundation. So uh, grab a copy. If you don't want the copy, buy it for somebody's stocking stuffer and share it with everybody. There you go. And uh, I'll link all that in show notes in case they, uh, yeah. they can't, they're like me. They can't spell very well. Yeah. Premier is a little shaky. I know there's some yeah, yeah. In there. yeah, I'll, I'll link Wait. all that then. And, and man, keep up with the great work. It's, it's so cool. You're helping these guys not just grow physically, but also mentally and emotionally. Those The high school years can be some of the toughest times of their life. So man, it's good to have you're out there helping those guys. Yeah. Yes, sir. I mean, it's, it's more to life than just the uh, uh, scholarships and everything else. So uh, I just try to, um, lift them up and uh, make them a better person. And so hopefully they can contribute to society down the road. Hey, we need it, man, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, you guys keep up with Aaron, man. If you're in that area, go train with him. If you're, if you're an athlete, if you're an adult, for kids, whatever, he trains them all. He helps them all. Hey, if you got back pain, he's a guy for that too. Uh, but mainly buy a book, make a donation to Eli. You, you've heard about the backstory. You see what it's going towards. Hey, 1299. Drop in the bucket, right? You'll get a great book. It goes to a great cause. Just donate. And please share this episode. Somebody needs to hear, hey, maybe they think about putting their kid in an athletic training program. Maybe they need to hear a little bit more about what to look for, things like that. So uh, don't don't take it lightly. Do your research and share this episode. Aaron, keep up the great work, man. I'm gonna, we'll share this information in the show notes. We'll get all the stuff out there. Awesome, man. I appreciate the time, Joe. I appreciate you. All right, you guys tune in next week. Wow, what a great episode. You share that with somebody. I'm going to share with you some awesome sponsors. McWilliams Marketing. They can help your business grow. Regardless of the size of the project, you're going to get a solution that is specifically created for you and your business. No cookie cutter, one size fits approach here. So Amy and her band of fearless marketers can help you with all that stuff that you think you can do, but you're not really that good at it. You don't have time for it. They can do that. They're the experts. It's what they do. Web design, online conversion optimization, SEO, uh, graphic design, marketing, page management, all that stuff. Go let them do that. Don't handle that yourself. Go check them out at mcwilliamsmarketing.com. See what all they can do. They're amazing people. Teak Patnick with Patnick Realty. He really does it all in the real estate world. General real estate sales, acquisitions, property management, investments, all that good stuff. You're not just a transaction with Teak. He really wants to build a relationship for life with you. He has built his whole business on prayer, hard work ethic, honesty, and results. You can trust Patnick Realty with all your real estate needs. Hey, I trust my brother from another mother, Teak, and you should too. Give him a call, 256-694-0117, or email him at teak at patnickco.com. Wow, what a great episode. You just share that with somebody. I'm going to share with you some awesome sponsors. 
McWilliams Marketing. They can help your business grow. Regardless of the size of the project, you're going to get a solution that is specifically created for you and your business. No cookie cutter, one size fits approach here. So Amy and her band of fearless marketers can help you with all that stuff that you think you can do, but you're not really that good at it. You don't have time for it. They can do that. They're the experts. It's what they do. Web design, online conversion optimization, SEO, uh, graphic design, marketing, page management, all that stuff. Go let them do that. Don't handle that yourself. Go check them out at mcwilliamsmarketing.com. See what all they can do. They're amazing people. Teak Patnick with Patnick Realty. He really does it all in the real estate world. General real estate sales, acquisitions, property management, investments, all that good stuff. You're not just a transaction with Teak. He really wants to build a relationship for life with you. He has built his whole business on prayer, hard work ethic, honesty, and results. You can trust Patnick Realty with all your real estate needs. Hey, I trust my brother from another mother, Teak, and you should too. Give him a call, 256-694-0117, or email him at teak at patnickco.com.